Welcome back to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we're telling the amazing, untold, wacky, weird, and inspiring stories of type 1 diabetics from across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and I wanted to let you know that we now have over 500 years of living with T1D on the podcast, and we're on track to be over 1,000 by the end of the summer, which is pretty exciting. I also wanted to chat about my new email series, Friday T1D Feels, where I send you a personal note, no fancy graphics or anything like that, about what I've been thinking about in the world of type 1 diabetes during that week. If you're into that, just go to diabeticsdoingthings.com and sign up. I'd also like to take a minute to talk about hashtag coverage to control. JDRF is raising awareness around the fact that most of us don't get to pick the insulin pumps we have, just the ones our insurance will cover. Just imagine if your cell phone was like that. Except this isn't a phone, it's what keeps us alive. So let your voice be heard and tell your insurance company that T1Ds and their doctors should decide what kind of pumps they use, not the companies. I'm looking at you, Aetna, United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let's get this right. Okay, enough chatter. Let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, we're telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all around the world. Um, today I'm very excited to introduce my guest, uh, calling from the Bay Area out in uh, in Oakland, San Francisco area, California, uh, Cody McChesney. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to finally get to talk to you. Yeah, man. Uh, we've just been in the works for a little while, and I'm, uh, I'm glad that uh, we were able to connect. So, Cody, um, for our listeners who may not, uh, may not know you, give us a little bit of background. Tell us about yourself. Um, my name's Cody McChesney. Um, I've been a type 1 diabetic since, uh, since about I turned 18. Um, just going through the, the motions, going through the struggles of diabetes. Uh, it's been a tough road, but uh, I wouldn't be the person I am today without uh, going through that. Yeah, it's uh, you had mentioned uh, kind of before we got on the air. Um, you know, we should be able to put diabetes on a resume, right? Because <laughs> of uh, all the extra work it, it entails and like thought and planning. Yeah, I mean, being a type one diabetic, I know uh, other type one diabetics. I know pretty much what we have to go through. We we have to go through a lot. It's uh, it's pretty much a second job. Yeah, it's uh, you know just thinking about. I know I was talking to someone recently who uh looked at it like a uh like a pet almost that you have to just always keep in mind um so you know you can't go on vacation without thinking about them you can't leave the house without thinking about them you gotta you know make sure that you're they're kind of always on your mind pretty much everything we do is uh circled around taking care of our our diabetes so um yeah, at 18, you diagnosed at 18, uh, so you lived, you know, obviously a good chunk of your life, um, you know, without type 1. Uh, kind of walk us through those days uh, before your diagnosis. Um, I was always an active kid. I was a heavier set. I was I was a fat kid growing up. Uh, played football. Um, just just loved to uh, be on my bike outside all the time. Uh, you know, a lot of people's common misconception about diabetes is that we're lazy. We, we did this to ourselves by eating too much sugary foods and just not really the case at all. It's, it's right. Like, you know, your, um, your awareness level is pretty low as a non-diabetic because you don't ever have to think about it. Right. I, you know, I didn't think, I didn't know what diabetes was, uh, before I had it. You know, it's a, it's, it's a common misconception and it's, it's up to us to educate the people around us. So, uh, in that time, um, were you, you know, in high school, headed to college, you know, kind of, uh, you know, in those, 
that, that's a tough part of your life anyway. And I think a time that a lot of diabetics uh, and parents of type ones um, kind of fear, especially because there's a lot of unknown, right? You're potentially leaving the house. You're you know going to a new phase of your life. Um, and then you throw this type of diagnosis in the mix. Uh, what was that like for you and your family? Um, it was uh, scary, to say the least. It was, it was pretty scary. Um, I went from being 220 pounds to dropping down to uh, 113 pounds um, through mismanagement of diabetes. Um, and my parents really didn't know how to react to it, didn't know how to cope with it, and they weren't sure what we were supposed to do. I was uh, actually misdiagnosed. I was uh, misdiagnosed as a type 2 diabetic. Um, through my doctor, and that's what caused uh, the mismanagement. So they sort of prescribed you in like oral medication or a different regimen uh, that wasn't obviously wasn't working. Correct. He prescribed me. He, I was on um, oral medication, and uh, just just no matter what I did, no matter what I ate, it wasn't doing the job. That had to be pretty frustrating, I imagine. Uh, I was. It was pretty scary. Um, Going from, you know, 220, a big boy as a lineman from a high school football team to 113 pounds. My, you know, my girlfriend weighed more than I did. It was a, it was a scary time. So, I mean, just that difference, right? Like that's a, almost 100 pounds, right? Or more than 100 pounds. Yeah. Well, yeah was- and I mean, you know, most people, I mean, just in general, that's not something a lot of people go through. What, uh. What, what was your mindset like, like waking up every day, just trying to, you know, keep on fighting, trying to find the cause or, you know, just frustration? I'm sure you battled with like depression and, um, and you know, lost a little bit of faith there, I imagine. Oh, it was really tough. Uh, I didn't know what to do to, to turn it around. Um, but that as a diabetic, you're just automatically your warrior. You're you're waking up every day and fighting for your life. You you're part of your body has given up but you can't, you just got to keep going. So just had to keep figuring out what was going on. You know, I, I was getting into arguments with my doctor saying, you know, this isn't working. Something's got to change. And finally he told me, if you don't trust me, you go see a different doctor. So I did. And right when I walked into her office, it was uh, my first time seeing an endocrinologist. Right when I walked into her office, she said, uh, you're a type one diabetic, not a type two. We need to get you on insulin today. And from that day forward, it was a 180 degree turnaround what what like that's unbelievable right so you know he you kind of called his bluff what what was the conversation with him like after that or was there one? Oh, there wasn't one that was pretty much it he he said you if you don't trust me go see someone else and i did and she changed my life and probably saved my life no question man that that sounds like a uh Man, I'm just itching for that conversation to happen. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you know, remember me? Like, I was gonna die. I was in here just, you know, and and couldn't get this right. Yeah, I've I've looked for her since then, and she's actually changed offices, and uh, I haven't been able to to thank her for that. But um, hopefully one day I'll be able to. Yeah, that's uh, man, you know, not an easy job, obviously. Like, uh, and there's so many cases that we hear about of misdiagnosis for one reason or another whether it's lack of awareness or thinking it's one thing or not the other. I've you know, heard of people going years, like six, seven years with a type two diagnosis and just, um, you know, fortunately for them, their pancreas was slower to react than some people's. But yeah, uh, how long was it before you got that, you know, true, like accurate diagnosis? Um, it was six months. It was uh, six months. And within that six months, I had lost all that weight. So I knew, uh, I knew something was wrong. It looked like I was, 
I was headed for my deathbed. It didn't look good. Yeah, that, uh, you know, 100 pounds in six months, that's amazing. That's, that's obviously in the wrong kind of, like, devastating, um, you know. Um, what? How did you feel? I You know, when I was diagnosed, I remember this, like, beautiful nurse walked in and, like, get, and, like hooked up this saline, like, saline bag to get me rehydrated and, like, gave me this, like, shot of insulin. I just remember, like, feeling so good, like, because that's what my body needed was, you know, fluids and insulin. What did you feel like when you like finally got your blood sugar like even headed in the right direction? It felt amazing. It just energy uh, felt energy come back to me. I felt like I came back to life. Um, I was able to start thinking more clearly. I was able to just start basically living life again. I wasn't constantly mad or upset. You know, um, it was just a, it was a big relief. Felt great. So from then, um, you know, you're in the hospital, you've, you've got the, the right medication, you're feeling better. I'm sure your confidence just kind of came back as like you finally had an answer for what you've been looking for. Um, you know, what, what happened next? Uh, you know, you, you, get on, you get some diabetes type 1 education now. You, you're a little bit more prepared for what's going on. Um, you know, were you, I, I imagine you were able to gain some of the weight back and, and start living normally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, they put me in a bunch of classes to learn about type 1 diabetes, and I I feel like I know more than most nurses now, uh, and as I should, I live with it. Um, once I started to learn about it and figure it out, uh, everything just started kind of clicking, but that's not to say that it was, it was easy at all. Um, it was easier, but it's still uh, ups and downs. Um, with the age I was, I was about... 19 but when i was diagnosed type one and uh it's a it's a rough age for a kid uh you know moving out on your own living on your own and you want to do the same thing that your friends do well at you know 19 20 21 what are your friends doing stuff that you can't do you know um partying drinking and uh so that was it was really tough not to say that i didn't do that didn't drink or anything but you got to be aware of what you're putting into your body and uh, yeah, you, and you want to try to keep up. I, I want to talk a little bit about that because it's something that I haven't talked about in great detail on the podcast before. Um, but I think that we can have a you know pretty open and candid conversation about it. So you go to college, right? You're an 18 year old guy um, and 18, 19, whatever the case. Um, you got new friends. You're in a new place. Everybody's doing new things. You're hanging out with older people. Everybody's kind of you know drinking, partying, exploring that part of your life as a, you know, becoming an adult basically. Um, but always in the back of your mind is that conversation about, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I have type one diabetes. Like this isn't good for me. I know that, but I also want to be normal and have a high quality of life. So you know, were there conversations with your friends or there conversations with your parents? Um, you know, what was that like? Um, yeah, my parents were really, really worried about me. Um, you know, just being out on your own, uh, with this, with this new type of lifestyle. Um, conversation with friends was pretty easy. My friends were pretty easy going. They may not have really understood it, but they could, you know, they helped me out. Um, not to say that I didn't go out and do things that I shouldn't have done. I didn't, you know, I went out and I, you know, drank too much and uh, wound up in the hospital more than once. And it's just an eye opener. Um, you really got to take it seriously. It's not anything to joke around with or play with. Um, there's, 
there's certain things you, your body just cannot handle that that other people can and for a while I was a little bit rebellious and a little bit of you know I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and unfortunately I suffered the consequences yeah and I think it's really important to talk about this right because uh, you know you're going to be rebellious as, as a 19 year old without diabetes you're going to be rebellious <laughs> in that but maybe not have as many consequences certainly there are always consequences but um, from a health perspective you know, you're, you go in and it's so easy to tip the scales in the wrong direction, um, on an avalanche, right? So you're at a party, um, you know, people are passing around shots or whatever. You're drinking too many beers or whatever the case may be, you know, and I'm not trying to just, you know, talk, paint this picture of like this crazy party lifestyle for (laughs) Cody. Like I don't really even know, know you that well yet, but I think this is something that I don't get to talk about too much with other male diabetics as well. So like for me, Um, I was an athlete in college and so I got to go to all the, whatever party I wanted to go to. My friends and I were, you know, big, big fish in a small pond. And for me coming from a a small, I went to a small private school. I didn't, uh, I didn't even drink in high school or anything like that because at my school, if you did that, someone would snitch on you and you get expelled. That was pretty much how it worked. Um, but so I get there that there's none of that. I'm on my own. I can make decisions and I'm like in control of my own like destiny there. So it's like, you know, nothing, everything's good. But then you get into those times where it's either finals or you're done with my, I was done with basketball season and you start to party a little harder. And I had a lot of really, uh, really harsh conversations with my parents. Cause I was like a thousand miles away and they couldn't really can tell me what to do. And I felt like I was in control and then I got some higher A1C numbers back from my endocrinologist. And they were like, well, this is because of this. And I was trying to tell them a different story. And so it was hard. Yeah, it's it's definitely not easy. Um, th- I, I do feel like this is important to talk about, you know, because there are diabetics out there that are going through this right now. And I didn't have anyone to talk to this, you know, talk about like this. Um, it was it was tough. Just being that age, I think, like you said, you're rebellious anyways. And then being in a different, you have to take care of yourself. You have to watch everything that you're intaking anyways. But at a certain point, you're, you just, you know, you go through the phase of, I don't care, whatever. But you really got to understand the consequences. I recently um, have had complications and it's due to how I was living my life before and not really taking it as seriously as I should. So I think these conversations are, are great to have. And, uh, everyone out there is, you're not alone in this. This is where I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, I felt like I, I really was until recently, uh, the diabetic community, I've finally started getting involved and I just realized we all go through the same stuff we're a family. I mean, really, because I think, um, it's sometimes like the, you know, people joke about family, right? Like you can't choose them. You don't get to, right. (laughs) And the same thing with type one diabetes family, you don't get to choose these people. Uh, and they didn't choose to be here. It's just kind of how the cookie crumbled. Right. So I do want to say, um, because of, I I wrote an article recently for beyond type one about type one diabetes and manhood, like being a man, uh, because there's a, I think a special blend of, you know, testosterone and hormones and all that when you're turning and you're becoming, you know, growing up and becoming a man, going from a boy to a man. And, uh, you know, you don't, you're trying to tough guy and you want to be confident and you want to look cool. 
and yeah. you don't want to be different uh, and you don't want to act like you need help. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just want to say, like, if there anybody out there feeling that way, it can always reach out to me. Um, and I'm sure to, yeah. that you feel the same way as well, because oh, definitely. it's uh, it's hard to have that conversation with your parents. I know I yell. I yelled and screamed and over the phone and it was hard. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely hard. Um, they don't really know what you're going through either. They, they're my, for me, my parents didn't have diabetes. My parents' parents didn't have diabetes. I'm the first one. So they, they knew kind of what was happening, but they didn't, they've never gone through it. So they didn't know how to talk to me about it. Um, the way I see it is if you're having that, you know, everybody has bad days, but everyone has good days not every day is going to be bad so you know tomorrow that that good day might come if you're having one of those bad days definitely reach out talk to somebody somebody can can turn that around for you maybe and if i'm having one of those bad days that's what i do i reach out to the diabetic community and i've never been turned away and that's uh that's so new too like the community is so like the social media community especially in the last year or two um, has been extraordinary, like the, the amount of growth and the amount of inclusion. Um, and I think even for people who aren't diabetic, like you said, my parents are not diabetics either. Um, and we didn't, I'm the only one in my family, um, for a type one parent, uh, or guardian or grandparent or even friend, it's hard. Like, uh, it's hard to have that develop that level of trust because you care so much, right. And you want what's best for that person. But I think too, like, um, a little bit of uh, gentleness and a little bit of like um, blunting those edges a little bit makes <laughs> and and building coming from a place of caring and acceptance is hard because you care so much and you don't want them to get hurt and you see this as so black and white but as a young person and as somebody who's trying to either fit in and you know is you know peer pressure is what it is but you're going through that phase in your life where you're trying to decide who you really want to be and. Uh, you know, there. I, it's hard to say never to things, you know, never do yeah. this, never do that. But it's also, you know, everything in moderation and making sure that you don't lose, you, you don't lose who you, who you are and what you're trying to be. And you set sort of an intention like, hey, I'm going to go live my life and I'm going to live yeah. without limits and I'm going to live beyond if I'm to steal type or beyond type one slogan. But also I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to be safe right. and I'm going to have, uh, you know, tools and pieces in place to make sure that I'm OK. Exactly. We still, just because we're diabetic doesn't mean we can't do whatever we want to do. We can still do whatever we want to do. We just got to make sure that we have what we need to to survive. And and that's interesting because I think right now there's a big, I don't know if you've seen a couple of these articles recently. There was like a viral post where a guy at some restaurant in New York put up a sign that said, you know, if you're going to inject your blood sugar or inject your insulin, check your blood sugar, please do it in the bathroom, um, which sparked some outrage, like as, as it should. And then, you know, the guy came back later and apologized after he got like 50,000 negative reviews on his restaurant, yeah. right? Totally ruined the guy's online business. But um, you know, he just, that's lack of education. That's like maybe, you know, one customer complained and he kind of overreacted, managed by exception. Uh, and then there's another, um, there, there's another story recently about a kid on a Disney cruise that, you yeah. know, was bringing the uh, Skittles or whatever into, um, into a group activity where they technically were not supposed to be allowed, even though his mom had checked with the cruise director and it was, it was all approved, but was told to leave. So a little bit of discrimination because I, 
I think by two things, like, and I'm talking a lot on this episode. Sorry, guys, but uh, no. sorry, Cody. But um, no I, I think when I was a kid, I was very recently diagnosed, probably like in the first summer after I was diagnosed, and I went on a cruise, and they told me that I couldn't. I filled out, you know, diabetes on my health form, and they told me that I couldn't go on the scuba diving thing. And I remember like I cried and I was mad, and I just <laughs> from then decided that like, well they don't know me. I'm never going to tell anyone on a, on a cruise that I'm diabetic again, because I can handle it on my own. Now I'm not saying that that's the right way to do it. That's just my own personal approach. I'm certainly not a doctor. Um, but then on the other end of that, like, um, having to, you know, commit and, and keep that to yourself and say like, I have the confidence to test in public and to give myself an injection in public. And I'm not going to be discriminated against, but also, I'm going to manage this with myself and, um, and say, you know what, I'm in control. I don't need anybody's help to tell me what I can and can't do. So there's a fine line there. And I think, you know, medical professionals may disagree with me on some of this stuff. And that's fine. I welcome that conversation. But, right. you know, I wanted to be a professional basketball player more than anything else I've ever wanted. Um, and there was a sliver of a chance that if a team saw me play and liked me, but then saw me give an injection on the sideline or test my blood sugar, that that would trigger something that I was, you know, a potential downside in their mind because they would have to worry about taking care of me if I was over there. So I chose to just hide that. I didn't, I didn't tell them anything and you know what? It worked out. Um, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have in the other, in the other direction, they certainly could have been, but I, I don't know. I owned that piece of it and I tried to, own that frame of the conversation. So there's a lot of ownership that comes with being a type one. I think that's what you meant earlier when it's like taking a second job. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, uh, you know, I've had, I've had, uh, problems. I work construction. So on job sites, you're not, you know, you're in a new building. It, you're not allowed to have food or drinks in there. Um, usually though, what I've run into is as long as I explain myself and explain why I have a Gatorade or why I have this or why I have that, uh, usually they're very understanding and, and I've never really had a problem with, I've been lucky. I've actually, uh, I was on a plane one time and they weren't serving any food on the plane. It was just a, it was a short ride. Uh, I got up, I walked to the back, talked to the stewardess and I explained to her, you know, I really just, I'll pay for it. I just need a couple snacks. I, I'm going through a low right now. And without hesitation, she just started handing me food and, uh, and didn't make me pay for it or anything. Uh, I've, I have come across people that have been very understanding, but I also have got those looks when I'm in a restaurant and I, I want to, you know, take, I need to take some insulin. I've gotten those looks and it's just, uh, it's just ignorance and it's on us, unfortunately, to, to teach people, teach who are people, the people around us. God, it's such a tough balance, right? Because you... <laughs> You're like, I'm the one dealing with this, right? And, yeah. and in the past, I used to get very defensive. Um, and I think, you know, the but the other piece is just like you mentioned, like they don't know any better. We didn't know any better before. Mm-hmm. So kind of like handling that with a little bit of education, a little bit of grace. And I think something that a lot of people, especially younger people, don't realize is that most people, whether in any situation, whether it's work-related or health-related, but I think especially when your health is at risk, if you ask yeah. for help, like most people w- are happy to help. Right. But you, you know, and so that's that, that balance of do I handle this on my own or do I have the confidence to look somebody in the eye and say, hey, I need your help and, you know, make sure to see if they will respond. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's a for most of the type one diabetics. I know it's a pride thing and we don't like we don't like help from anyone else. 
Gosh, ego is such a tri- <laughs> it's such a trickster, man. It's tough. It is tough. So um, I'm gonna shut up. Still, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up a little bit more because I've been you know just uh, just spewing uh, stuff here. But I, lo- I love this conversation. So um, now you've you've had type one now for a few years. Uh, your diagnosis is back. You're you're living your life the way that you want. Um, what's, what's the difference? What, what, uh, you know, obviously we all have our good days and bad days, but for you, how do you approach every day? Um, basically what I tell myself is, uh, there's a little saying I like to tell myself. I actually, uh, have it inscripted on a, um, uh, type one diabetic bracelet. And it says, uh, if one truly loses hope, one would not be on hand to say so. If I truly gave up, I wouldn't be around to tell you. Just lets me know every day that it's, it's a struggle, it's a fight. But like I said earlier, you're a type one diabetic, you're a warrior. That's strong, man. That's strong. And uh, you know, in those in those moments where you're having that down, you know, you just you have that there to look at and to uh, and to remember. Yeah, it's just uh, some sometimes it takes that little that little kick of motivation. Sometimes. You know, you don't want to – sometimes you lay down and I, I don't want to get up and take my insulin right now. But you know tomorrow, if you don't take that right now, you know tomorrow is going to be that much worse. So sometimes it just takes a little a little kick of inspiration. Uh, fortunately for me, I have a great uh, support system. Shout out to my team. Uh, they've just been awesome and, and they don't let me fail. That, and that's so key as well, right? Those relationships that you have as a type one, whether that's a significant other or parents or doctor or just friends. Um, what how, What's your team made of? Who are those people to you? And, uh, you know, give them a shout out. But also, you know, how do they, you know, how do they impact your day to day? All my friends and family have been really supportive. Um, uh, basically... I if I'm doing something if I'm out and, and sometimes it does get a little annoying because you you know you're you're out you're going to eat hey you did you take your insulin did you take your insulin I'm I'm a grown man I know what I'm doing but sometimes you do need that sometimes you do need to be told hey watch what you're eating or go take your insulin uh so like like I said earlier type one diabetics seem to me to be real proud people and uh, sometimes we just got to let that guard down. You do. And I think, you know, like we said, that, that ego is tough. Um, you know, I have some friends, uh, here, uh, in Dallas that are my close comedy friends who, uh, who are all type one diabetics. So like, it's, it's very weird. Like we have this great comedy community and within it is this awesome, even smaller community of type ones. Um, and that's really the first local group of diabetics that I've ever been able to be plugged in with on a personal level, obviously like, um, the online community has been amazing and, and, and I interact with a lot, but you know, somebody who you actually know and you can look in the eyes, like, you know, for some of us, like they've had their diabetes for almost 20, 25 years. And, you know, they still get very, uh, wrapped up in it. Very like, um, bristled at any sort of, um, you know, misconception or, um, somebody offering advice. And again, like, it's just that ego talking to you, man. Like, uh, so yeah, it's tough to take advice from somebody or like, Hey, you shouldn't eat that. It's like, again, like I can do whatever I want. You start to have those, like, it's that same reaction. Like if your parents tell you to do something, you know? So yeah, that one's tough, man. Oh, what are you doing eating cake? Uh, it's cake. Of course I'm going to eat it. Nobody turns on cake. 
Right, yeah, I just gave myself <laughs> a fat bolus for this thing so that I can eat it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's tough. What I really love about um, the online diabetic community is uh, how real everybody is. It's not just, oh, check out my you know 100 reading, check out my blood glucose at 98. It's, you get the realest of the real. Everyone's showing you what their real numbers are. And it just, it makes me feel like, okay, I'm not the only one. Like, I've, I've seen stuff on online and they're like, I don't get it. I didn't even eat anything that bad. And I'm at two, 250. What's going on? I'm like, oh, my God, thank God I'm not the only one. Right, because we've all been there, right? You, we've had to eat the same thing and then, you know, <laughs> not even any, you're not even stressed out. You're like having a good day and all of a sudden you're just like, what, what's going down? Exactly. It's just crazy and and. The open arms of uh, the online community is just the support has been awesome. So, uh, kind of in that same vein, um, talk a little bit about and, I, and I'm and I don't want to spoil a surprise here. So, uh, like you have your own clothing brand, um, <laughs> f- uh, you know, specifically geared towards type ones and the type one community. So, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So, I have a clothing brand and it's called Sugarless Clothing. Um, basically I wanted to do something to give back. I wanted to spread awareness. Um, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to get involved and I didn't know how. Uh, so I basically came up with a a design idea. Um, and it took off. It's, it's flying off the shelves. It's going crazy. Uh, I can't express how thankful I am for all the support that I've been given. Um, basically I want to, I want to get to a place where I can start donating all the proceeds to diabetics who can't afford uh, their their supplies, who can't afford their insulin, who can't afford the test strips. Uh, it's, it's crazy the cost that these people are trying to charge us for uh, everyday things that we need to live. So my goal is to be able to donate all profit to... Uh, a charity or or some organization that helps out the people who can't afford their diabetic supplies. That's fantastic, and I think such a an important mission, an important thing to raise awareness to. Because I think I know um, you know there's there's teams of people who go to Washington and talk to their congressmen. Um, and you know, very organized groups here in the U.S. as well as worldwide, in, uh, an organization I can't say enough of uh, about T1 International. Uh, we had their founder Elizabeth Rowley on the podcast. She's amazing. Um, the work that they do around the world to raise uh, awareness for insulin reform is just uh, just phenomenal. So um, that's amazing, man. I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm what a what an admirable mission to uh, to go out with. Yeah, I. Uh... <clears throat> I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to start, but everything just kind of fell into place, and we're just working on getting to that point. So, uh, what what sort of prompted you to not only start a clothing brand, uh, but also to you know launch it with the mission of helping out uh, type ones? Um, basically. I was one day I was looking online for shirts, uh, type one diabetic shirts, just looking on Google and I just, everything that came up, I was like, eh, that's kind of cool, but I wouldn't really wear that. And so I wanted to make a shirt that related to type one diabetics and 
and uh, something that the younger kids would like to wear, you know, not just script on a shirt. Um, I wanted to I wanted to develop a brand. So came up with this idea. Uh, you know, it looks like, you know, how how ironic it looks like a uh, a gummy bear, and he's uh, giving himself some an insulin shot. Well, and I think it's uh, you know for me personally as well. I I, uh, I I recently spoke with another like design conscious, like very kind of young, cool uh, fashion, high fashion sense diabetic type one. And we were talking about we should start like a movement to just end the terrible uh, branding and terrible like fonts on t-shirts about type <laughs> one because it's I mean they're everywhere, right? And of course they all have good intentions and good and I would never you know be mean to them, but it's just like as a person who is fashion and design conscious, uh, yeah. you know we got to have options out there for those types of people. Yeah, diabetics are coming all all forms, you know people don't really necessarily want to wear all one type of shirt and there's a limited uh, market for type 1 diabetics people aren't making a broad array of shirts for for us you know and I just wanted to wear something that that I thought looked cool and that I thought would get attention and so far it has I get people all the time coming up to me like oh that's that's a cool shirt is that a is that a band or something I'm like actually no and, and it sparks the conversation you know I give them my card and and uh, people have taken really well to to the design so you've got, you know, you've got a great start. Um, and, you know, as you guys, what's your, what's your vision for the brand? Are you, uh, you know, continuing to, you know, lo- new designs or is it events or is it, you know, continuing to spread awareness about not only about type 1 diabetes, but also the people who, um, you know, need assistance in getting the supplies that keep them alive? Yeah. So basically all the above, we are coming out with new brands uh, or uh, sorry, new designs as we speak. Um, I'm gearing the shirts more towards um, trying to make a statement. Uh, I want to make the statement of this: it's criminal what they're doing, charging people an arm and a leg for diabetic supplies that they need to live. Um, we don't want to get get too political with statements, but uh, we're coming out with new designs. We're going to start doing more events. Um, we want to be more active and involved with the diabetic community itself. Um, we're still so small we just you know don't really know which direction to go yet so we're uh we're always uh always studying and always looking always paying attention no man that's that's a fantastic mission and um you know the the, like you mentioned before there's a huge need in the community for you know for people to step out and do the things that they're good at and with the eye for design and that sense of entrepreneurialism there's a lot of room i think in the in the diabetes community you know when you look at other chronic illnesses like uh like cancer and heart disease uh things that affect you know obviously a larger number of people than type one but um yeah they've been at it a little bit longer at some of these people who are raising money and raising awareness and you know these events and i think there's a there's a huge opportunity for people like yourself to just you know take that leap and put themselves out there um and kind of back to what i said about asking people for help i think you'd be surprised like when you really put you take your skills and things that you're good at uh, and your passion and you put something out there. I think for me, every, you know, a, a big, it was a big risk. It felt like a big risk for me to, to start diabetics doing things. And I was very self-conscious about what could happen. And, um, but then once I got over that, like it was, I, I met all these amazing people and, um, 
you know, have been very fortunate to have conversations with diabetics all over the world. Um, and if I hadn't have taken that risk and like, just put myself out there a little bit, I never would have gotten any of that. It's been so worth it. So, um, what would you say to somebody who's like thinking about starting, you know, not necessarily a clothing brand, but, um, you know, a special project to help out diabetics. Do it. Just, just see what you got to do. Get your foot out there. I've been told several times by people like, Oh, so what does that shirt even mean? What is that? That doesn't mean anything about diabetes. It doesn't say anything to me. Well, then you know what? The shirt isn't for you. I didn't make it for you. I made it for me. I made it for the people who love it. Um, if you're out there and you want to make a difference, you want to do something, just just put yourself out there and don't be afraid to fail, uh, because that's part of success. You have to you have to stumble around first. Uh, I certainly did, and I still am, and I'm I don't see it clearing up anytime soon. But hopefully one day. Yeah, uh, you know, when I get it all figured out, I'll be sure to let you know, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, just a huge, it's just a big journey. And I think once people become, um, you know, m- more comfortable, you know, I guess more comfortable getting uncomfortable, which is a weird thing to think about. But, yeah. get, you know, getting outside of that comfort zone and being okay with people, um, you know, judging their stuff. There's a lot of, a lot more positive people out there than you think, um, you know, when you're, when you're sitting on those ideas. It's been overwhelming, uh, the support I've gotten. Uh, when you have a, something like this for such a good cause, uh, everybody is willing to help. You know, I've sold a ton of shirts, and most of the people I've sold shirts to aren't even diabetic. Uh, people people want to help. It's in their nature. It is, and sometimes we forget that. Yeah. So um, in the spirit of help um, – how can uh, our listeners uh, get you know get involved with uh, Sugarless Clothing? I know you're on Instagram as Sugarless Clothing. We'll certainly uh, include a link. Um, but if they wanted to buy a shirt, where do they go? Uh, sugarlessclothing.com. Uh, the website right now is it's still under construction. I need to update it. But, um, yeah, you can go to sugarlessclothing.com. We have our shirts up there. We also have women's shirts that aren't actually up there. Um, but they are on my Instagram. So Instagram is pretty much the best way, it seems like. Yeah, for right now, Instagram has been the way to go for me. Great. Well, uh, it's same same for me. I think it's and and for a lot of other type ones as well. Whether they're, um, you know, doing their own projects or just trying to get involved with people and uh, and have a conversation. Yeah, it's been great for me. Um, it's uh, besides the the sugarless clothing, just just talking to people, opening up, having conversations. Uh, Instagram has has done a lot for me uh, in the way of the diabetic community. They're just uh, really awesome people out there, and like I said, people want to help. So, Cody, uh, I I always ask this question to my guests, so um, you know you may be ready for it, uh, and, I, and I and I'm sure you'll have a great answer. Um, you know, you had you had a tough diagnosis and I mean, everybody's is tough, but I think yours specifically and, and others who have been misdiagnosed, it, it's a tough time and you start to question a lot of things. What would you tell someone who was going through kind of what you went through uh, early on? What's the one I'd thing, t- what's the one thing you would tell them? Reach out, ask for help. That's the biggest thing I would say. <clears throat> Cause that's what I was scared to do. I didn't, I didn't really know anyone with diabetes and I didn't, really talked to anyone um and i should have and it would have helped out a lot better a lot sooner 
Yeah, man, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, like you said earlier, you're not alone. Uh, we're all yeah. out here. We're, we all have our bad days. So, um, you know, there's no reason to keep it uh, bottled up. Ask away. There's a lot of organizations. There's a lot of people out there who are willing to help. Yep, I agree totally. Uh, I wish I would have done it sooner. Well, man, I, uh, I'm glad that you reached out via Instagram. I'm super glad that we got connected. Uh, this is a fantastic conversation, and I'm uh, really excited to, uh, to get it published. Um, any parting thoughts sort of before, uh, you know, as we, as we go um, and sort of go our separate ways for now? Um, any parting thoughts before uh, we jump off? Um, just like we touched on before, you know, if you're having a bad day, there's a the the good days right around the corner and uh if you are having that bad day reach out hit me up if i'm having that bad day i'll do the same and we we got to lean on each other yeah the feedback loop goes both ways right because uh you know it's that that's the important part of community exactly well man uh you definitely say what's up to the bay area for me uh it's been too it's been too long since i've been out there uh and i got mad love for it yeah the bait of the universe. That's right. Yay area. All right. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.